I'm excited for I have no idea I'm, I'm I figure we just go into it I'll be like this is Pat from Uncensored Tactical blah 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 blah, blah. just like that <laughs> god damn it dude we're right. the extremist we have to put on the front now we're gonna be tough <laughs> we're just giant retards all right, uh, welcome everybody yeah. to. You think, you think anyone? Um... Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I'm good. Oh, oh shit! My dog's looking at me like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" Come here, come here. Say hi, real quick. Look. She's like, "I don't give a fuck." Oh, hi, beautiful. Treats? Um. All right. We ready? All right, we'll do this. Uh, well, thank you again, Pat, for joining us. Um, for all of you that don't know, this is Pat from Uncensored Tactical. He's been on our show a few times. He runs an awesome podcast, and he uh, runs tactical lock picking um, classes. And if you would like to go into that a little bit, because I know you have one coming up here soon. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got one coming up in April 29th and 30th. Um, it's at a really cool facility. We have a few seats still left, <clears throat> and that's just outside by Hollia. Uh, it's in by Hollia, Mississippi, but it's just outside Memphis, Tennessee. Um, nice. It's going to be a ton of fun. Really cool facility. Really cool people. I'll be there. My cool assistant, who's uh, <laughs> it's nice. He's kind of like the yin to my yang. Um, I teach the stuff that's you know morally right and you know methodical and logistical, and he's like, hey, how could we really fuck shit up? So we. We blend our teaching style together. That, that uh, it's going to be a great fun. event. Yeah, we I we're gonna have to do one one of these days. Typo. Uh, my if if you're interested, let me do uh, my plug for that upfronts because I like when people listen to podcasts and they can say you know they don't have to wait till the very end to start sending me hate mail. So to get in touch with me, it's uh, the website is utac.io. So utac.io. That's our shortcut. Uh, you can also email me directly at pat at utac.io that's it i'm happy with that awesome perfect so <laughs> make it easy you just do like a, a farming class or something like that we're gonna yeah that's uh it's in less than oh, 30 days up. that's uh april 9 10 and 11 and the, the seats are like we have like two seats left <laughs> wow. it's gonna be a really cool course so we're teaching people uh self-sufficiency and homesteading and the purpose is we're doing three days and there's a couple blocks of instruction each day from uh, some people that know the skill sets and we're teaching things like animal husbandry and how to make money from rabbits and chickens and horses and goats and aquaponics and all sorts of cool shit. Uh, so the purpose is if you come, even at a minimum, if, if you're like, oh, that one block of instruction was really cool. Let me take that, add it into my life and then make a return on investment for the course. So we want people to learn how to be more self-sufficient, self but also to make some fucking money too doing it because kind of it's kind of hard to do one without the other <laughs> yeah yeah basically um those are dope we're gonna have to go do one typo you and i uh because they're gonna be well first i just yeah. need to see you in fucking person 
Like, I love seeing you behind a camera. You're a gorgeous man. But one day we got to be in person and enjoy. Who, typo or me? You, you. <laughs> I always see typo. I see typos Who, ass typo all or the me? time. Oh, you. <laughs> but uh, we'll have to do that. Um, all right. So, Pat, after these technical difficulties, you came yeah. to us with a show idea. So what are you going to talk to us about today? Cool. So today um, I'm pumped about this. Um, so Pete's first documentary, um, Monopoly on Violence, was fantastic. And in the spirit of his upcoming show, I thought it was a good reminder for me to get back into talking about some behind the scenes things that happen in law enforcement and government operations. So I wanted to give a, some insight into police economics. I love it. I love it. I saw you talking about it on Instagram and you messaged us or you posted us in the, uh, the, the story. And I was like, oh, that sounds really fucking interesting. Hopefully it's juicy. Right. So it's going to be uh, economics and, and incentives, which really go hand in hand. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm so, ready for it. Typer, you got any start out questions before we go into it or just let them ride? No, just let them go. I'll probably interrupt you and ask you questions along the way, though. Yes, yeah. please. That'd be great. Yeah, we can do that. All right, buddy. Go ahead. <clears throat> so as I sip from my delicious, exquisite $10 bottle of wine here, <laughs> um, I'm in like cup number three. So it's going to be a wild ride. Let's go. I thought I'd bring you some. So we kind of we talk about defining the economics of police work or just defining e economics. Uh, just give some examples of how uh, how that plays in, in po the police world. Understand things like staffing and and pay payroll and promotions and uh, and just the general human interaction incentives for things that deal with you know your money or your time. Which I think is you know if. If I were in college, this would probably be my thesis, uh, which is what my next book is on, is on the bureaucracy, basically. When, uh, uh, when would that come out? Uh, I'm, I'm scared to give a timeline, but I'd be surprised <laughs> if in 90 days we weren't really close to having it on shelves. It's already wow. written. I'm just, I'm going through the editing right now. Well, wow, hell yeah. that's awesome. I'm dude. stoked. I'll be excited for that. Uh, let's start with a uh, definition. So I know we have a lot of libertarian anarchist people here. Um, this should not be new to them that economics is kind of, uh, if you read basic e economics by Thomas Sowell, which I highly recommend, uh, mm -hmm. he talks about economics being not necessarily money, but the decision-making process be behind how you decide the use of limited resources that have multiple uses. So finite resources, things that are limited. How do we use those if they can be used in multiple ways? That's it. Really super simple. Uh, in police work, what I'm going to talk a lot about today is time related. So time, you can use a number of different ways to spend your energy and your focus on things, but uh, we're going to talk a lot about time. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about the incentives behind how you act as a police officer. And this, a lot of this applies to military and other first responder jobs as well. But uh, the incentive for police work largely revolves around the culture within that work. So it's not, it's not a normal human interaction. It's an interaction within a specific culture. So we're going to kind of grind through some of that too. Um, and while I talk a lot about kind of the hiring process too and, and the active job, anywhere in police work, every single fucking three-letter agency at the Fed level and every state agency and every state guideline and every county and every city within every county, they all do things differently. So there are some things, there are certainly exceptions and there are certainly different flavors. Um, but what every single one of those uh, agencies and departments do have in common is that they are all part of the largest gang on the planet. 
which is government. They'd like to say the smallest gang. I don't, I don't know how on earth they, they got those numbers, but uh, we're going to jump in. We're going to certainly hash some of that out as well. So yeah, those, those numbers don't make sense if they're the smallest gang. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to make you guys cops real quick. So welcome to our first thought experiment. Hey, I'm going to stay us. You're now a police officer. Sweet. That's how they do it anyways, isn't it? Really close. Yeah. I, I could talk about that for a couple hours. Yeah. Really close. Um, that'd be, that'd be a really good episode to do on someone's show. What makes, so I did what makes a government, a government. A lot of people like that episode. Um, maybe I'll do what makes a cop, a cop. That's a good one. All right. So let's say, so we have Luke and typo here. Let's say you both work for me. I'm your patrol sergeant and you both work about a 10 hour shift at my agency. And each of you within your respective patrol zones, you each get your own zone to patrol. In each of those zones, there's about 20 neighborhoods. You work a 10-hour shift, you have 20 neighborhoods each. Let's say I demand, right? Because it's that's the nice thing about being a boss. I, I have no requirement to understand the rules you know, of simple physics and simple logic. So I can demand that you do something, whether it's possible or not. And I say, you have to hit every single neighborhood. And, and I need to see your GPS on that map. And you need to call dispatch and say that you did a neighborhood check. You better hit all your neighborhoods because I care about this community. Okay. So if we've done the math already on a perfect night with 10 hours and 20 neighborhoods, all right, come on, you little Asian freaks. What's how much time do you have to check each neighborhood? 30 minutes. Right. On a perfect night when there's no calls, no service, no bathroom breaks, nothing. However, let's say you have a normal night where you have about five hours of active calls where you're investigating, arresting, processing, doing evidence, writing reports. So maybe you have five hours left. So now half the time you have to hit each neighborhood. So maybe 15 minutes per neighborhood. Let's also say you have bathroom breaks. Let's also say you get interrupted partially, but not fully. So then you can go back to your neighborhoods and you have to drive from neighborhood to neighborhood. That takes time. So we'll say less than 15 minutes per each neighborhood. Let's just round it 10, 10 minutes. You can spend yeah. in each of your neighborhoods. Now, the general, what we've already identified here to the general public is that if you think, and, and I really didn't give my disclaimer up front, but I'll give it again at the end. I'm not, I am not anti you if you're a cop. I'm pro human. Yeah. And I was, we did in, a whole I was in that situation too. I get it, but I'll, I'll do the disclaimer again at the end. I'm not, if you think, if you're a cop and you're like, this guy fucking hates me because I don't care, let's take a deep breath. I'm just talking about the economics of how it works. If in the public you think that cops are out all night and they're the ones that are standing on that blue line between chaos and darkness and peace and all that, that's great. But you've already seen with this simple math on us on any given night, there's maybe 15 minutes where a cop is in your neighborhood. So if crime can happen 24 seven, let's say, okay, let's say the, the, I don't know, the 12 ish hours of dark time. If crime can happen over those 12 hours overnight and you get 15 minutes of coverage in your neighborhood, that's not very good. That's not what I would call a, a defensive posturing force. Yeah. Yeah. So we've we've identified that either of those things. So now that you guys are my deputies or my officers, you know, depending on which agency I work for, my question to you is how are you going to hit each of those neighborhoods on the timeline? Would you choose a or B? There's also a C we'll talk about that later. Would you choose a, hit every neighborhood as fast as you can, make a loop, hit the map button, move to the next one. Or B, would you go, well, I'm going to get into the neighborhood. I'm going to go slow. I'm going to go calm. I'm going to turn my car off. I'm going to listen. I'm going to get out and walk around. I'm going to carefully look at things, but I might not hit all of my neighborhoods. 
Which one do you guys choose? A. And dis- oh. discuss. A. A. Well, the, like me <laughs> personally, me personally, I would pick. Honestly, like if, if, you, I had, if you, yeah, honestly. And well, I guess it also depends on how new I am. All those things, all those factors aside, let's say whatever. Um, probably A, because I have a hard ass fucking patrol officer, patrol sergeant that's like, hey, you need to hit those markers throughout the night. And if you don't, you get docked. So you're probably just being like, fuck it. Well, I can't even have the time to do my job. So I'm just going to go about and do it the way he wants to. So I get him off my back. Yeah, same. I think, uh, I mean, I think maybe at first I might walk into it when I first got the job when I was like, you know what, I want to do the right thing or whatever. But just like when I was in the military, like I, we, it, it's based on like, you have to hit these quotas and eventually you just start hitting the quota. So if I have to be there for like a minute for the GPS to read, I was there then I'm probably going to stay there for only a minute and move on. Yeah. I'm going to be the most efficient cop ever because I'm going to be there for a minute, literally. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the, and a flip side for the public is you have to realize that these things happen. So it's not fucking Superman. Who's at every place at every time. And even if you're pro cop, there's no getting around those numbers. Yes, there are exceptions. There are agencies with overlapping zones and then there's different cops. You know, sometimes you'll have two or three cops per zone. You know, of course there's exceptions, but when you break it down to the math, you're not getting a cop for every citizen. You're getting like one thousandth of a cop per every citizen. Right. So the numbers right. just don't work really great. Um, the third option was a mixture, which was what most people do. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that mixture includes no cop hitting your neighborhood at all. So right. they'll find a spot they like to sit. They'll write their reports in that spot. They'll check a neighborhood. They'll kind of cruise through and they, they're multitasking, always reading messages, checking reports, talking on the radio. Um, so you don't ever really get a pure community oriented defensive officer. Right. There's always something else going on. Uh, and then you have the mix, like I said, so they, you can check one neighborhood, check another neighborhood, and then spend your, all your time directed in a bad neighborhood that has a lot of crime. And that makes pretty good sense. But every time you spend in one neighborhood is time you're not in another. So that's, right. that's really the crux there is the economical problem. Uh, and the fourth, there's a fourth option, which is no neighborhoods. Fuck them. I'm getting paid anyways. I'm just going to sit here. That's a, I know people like that. <laughs> They're out. Yeah, there's a lot of them. And because of the incentive is, uh, which we're going to get into. Hey, good segue. Next incentive is uh, talking about pay. So the military is famous for this, right? I was at, at my drug unit when I was working for the Coast Guard. I was away from, we had a tracker for how many days you were outside of the unit deployed for training or operations. And I was at the top end of that tracker several years in a row. (laughs) If I wasn't first place, I was close behind it where I was always fucking gone and doing shit. Uh, Tons of qualifications, tons of certifications. And I I liked the job, so it wasn't a punishment, but the result was I'm always active. Hey, we need an EMT. Send me. Hey, we need a... uh, Fuck what, uh, whatever. Send me. Hey, we need someone qualified for that. Send me. I do all of it. The people that weren't qualified wouldn't get that phone call and they'd stay behind at home base and just kind of hang out with not much to do. So if they didn't like deploying or if they had shit going on in their personal lives, they ended up getting rewarded for not being qualified in extracurricular stuff. So the pay scale is. No matter your qualifications or certifications, for the most part, you get paid based on how long you exist. That's it. <laughs> so what is the incentive? 
uh, let's say you have a bunch of old guys or a bunch of lazy guys or a bunch of people that don't give a shit and that are jaded and are angry with the world and they do almost nothing. Your incentive to go out and outperform them. One of the biggest incentives is, or one of the biggest uh, kind of opposite incentives. So one of the things that's on your mind the most is why the fuck am I working extra hard when everyone else in my unit does almost nothing mm-hmm. and they get paid the same. Yeah. There is something to fall back on, right? There is a part two, which we're going to talk about promotions here in a second. Um, We'll we'll break that, break into that now. So promotions, yeah, there's some incentives for promotions. If I know I want to get promoted, I want to climb that ladder. The way that you don't do that is by sitting there and doing nothing. So you get incentivized to take action and that will help you get promoted in the police world, at least. It's very rare that they go, we want that guy. Well, why? Because he didn't fuck with anybody that didn't deserve it. Well, no, that's <laughs> that never comes into play. It's always, what are your statistics? What can we look at? What's the numbers? Oh, how many arrests did you get? Oh, how many felonies did you get? You know, how many people in this category or that category did you arrest? Right. And the only way you find those things out is really twofold. One, uh, guess and check, right? So you stop as many people as you fucking can and you hope you get lucky. Or two, uh, pretty much you, you get the low-hanging fruit. Right. So you go, oh, this is an easy target. Let me get this. I'll put it in stat box. I'll move on. And then people, A, they know your name because they see your name on all the reports. B, your numbers are up because you've arrested a lot of people. So you obviously had an impact on crime. (laughs) Uh, But again, we'll we'll loop back. None of that has anything to do with, with choosing to stop, detain, and investigate people who have victimized no one. Right. Right? You don't take that into account. Has nothing to do with your promotion. Nope. So we're looking at incentives with pay and promotion, and we see that it's not really based on merit, at least not in uh, libertarian merit. That's for sure. Uh, So if you guys have any questions on that, I'd love to expand a little bit, but I'm already like zooming ahead on my outline. So, oh yeah, Um, I don't think I really have any questions, but uh, I just want to say that it's like what you're saying there. There's not really a whole lot of merit. There's not a merit system. There is a merit system. That's a lie. Mm-hmm. There is a merit system. But like you sure. said, not a libertarian merit system where we see things like if uh, when you were talking about the neighborhood uh, example, there's already people that do specific neighborhoods. We have those people. There are security guards that patrol neighborhoods and they can actually spend the time to do things like that. And that's a perfect you know, uh, way to come or not combat, but argue the point of why police need to be on this like getting rid of police for certain for situations like that. I was listening to Pete earlier today. I'm glad you brought him up earlier because it reminded me of this. But he was talking about every time he tries to boil down police to the menarchy um, like level, like if you could think of it purely as a menarchist type thing, that the very minimum that they would be is detectives. Like they would be de- just detectives because that's what they do anyways. Less than 5% of the time that they respond to anything, um, they, they don't make it in time. So they're trying to figure it out as they go. So that it, I, I thought that was a pretty cool example and it makes a lot of sense. And I think what you're, it ties into what you're talking about where there's the merit and what they do. What we say they do is protect people's lives on a day-to-day basis, but for the most part, they're checking into neighborhoods to make quotas or timestamps and everything else. Yeah. And, and it, I mean, everything you're saying just basically yeah. confirms my bias. I mean, it shows that the government is just terrible at allocating resources. Like, 
they and 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 they create almost false incentives where like it'll show it'll show a great record on paper where they could show like oh this guy's doing great but it, and like actual effect in improving society it's probably not like great or maybe probably even worse so i, I mean <laughs> you're just you're confirming all my bias so i'm just like yes keep going <laughs> well i'm gonna pitch this uh another thought experiment later in the show. It's in my notes here, but uh, this is a good point to interject. So Carr from uh, formerly Fatcast, now Timeline Earth, <laughs> he said something pretty fucking cool when I was on his show. He said, I have the phone number for my UPS driver that drops off packages at my house. And he said, how many people out there have the phone number to the actual cop that patrols our neighborhood? Yeah, no one. <laughs> and he's like, and he's like, at, at the time he was like, I know very little about you, Pat, but he's like on it. I think it was, a, it, it was him and or um, Bird that said, I know very little about you, but if I had a choice between paying the government to police my neighborhood or paying you, he's like, easy. That's an easy answer. I would definitely <laughs> yeah. pay you. Yeah. Right. Well, we got, well, it's like, it's like in the, the doomsday scenario, you know, uh, all of our friends, they're like, if anything ever happens, like that's really bad, the government collapses or there's a zombie apocalypse, we're coming to you guys' house and we're like, yo, what the fuck? Why? And it's because, you know, people at least know us face to face. They know what we can do, know what we have done, and they take that, and that's your merit-based, you know, resource yeah. or whatever. That's your what they believe in about you, and they'd rather go to you than go to the cop station downtown or anywhere else with people with more guns. They trust people yeah. like us to do a better job at protecting them, even though we're like, "Fuck you, don't come here." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then, it's like then the cops that we, are we like, friends, bro. Well, we ain't that close. <laughs> <laughs> don't come here. <laughs> I think well, that's always that. interesting, though. Uh, thanks for that thought experiment. Uh, <laughs> what do I got next? Let's talk about uh, some overtime objectives. So, what is the purpose? What's the incentives here? How do how do humans interact in a law enforcement agency when it comes to things like overtime? So, not just your standard job. Uh, so this phrase it. is really, <laughs> they take it. Yeah. This, is, this phrase is really common in law enforcement, which is, um, it's that you pay your bills with your paycheck and you pay for your vacations in overtime. Have you ever heard anything similar to yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. My dad was a prison guard, so it's very similar. Uh, so a lot of like, it's a bracking, right? It's like, uh, well, it, well, it, they also counsel new officers to say, if you work a lot of overtime, don't factor that into your pay like your bills like don't so don't think that you can live at a higher you know station because you're working overtime they said live within your paycheck but when you want something extra use your overtime money okay yeah well and Let's that's kind of how you should do it anyways like to be honest yeah it makes but, and that makes sense yeah uh, but but what's the thought process now right so i'm out risking my fucking life because it's so scary and someone might shoot me with a, a cell phone wait no, that was do a some overtime? No, cell phone wait <laughs> so they go, it's so scary that I'm going to risk my life extra, like more than I have to. <laughs> Which one is it? Is it so scary or is it just extra money? Um, <laughs> I'm going to risk my life extra. <laughs> I love that. That is so, beautiful. There's two arguments here that I used to love uh, thinking about. So the the purist, right? The super, like super duper purist, like the we're here to protect you. So that crowd, especially early in your career, you might think, well, I'm working overtime. I'm going to fucking work for it, right? You're paying me almost double. So I'm going to give you all I got. That's one way to look at it, right? If you're here and if you're getting paid extra, you might as well fucking work extra. So when people show up to a shift, they'd say, great, you're working the shitty zone. It's really fucking busy. 
oh, well, we're paying you more than usual. So yeah, work your ass off, go. The other side of that ball is if you have all the people that work overtime come to your shift and then get fucked by working shitty, really busy zones, then they don't want to come work overtime for you. So you end up being short staffed, which short staffing is fucking wild in a government job. You, you basically, yeah, there's, yeah, there's limits to how much you can spend, but it's it fucking, it's all pretend. It doesn't fucking yeah. really matter. They Anyways, can create, they can create positions whenever they want to. They yeah. just choose they not really to can. because it they goes to somebody's to. bonus line a lot of times. Right. So, Let's say we are limited in staffing and all the people that end up taking overtime on your shift end up working, working real fucking sweating, right? So they go, well, this is no fun. I'm not going to work overtime on that shift. So I'm not going to put all my effort into that to get paid extra. Like if I have to hump the whole time. So the second side of that is when people work overtime on your shift, you give them the easiest job. You just let them be a warm body and they kind of fluff your numbers a little bit, but the rest of your squad really works. Well, that's not good either because your squad that's getting paid less is working more. So they get pissed off. So it's just a constant battle between the two. So take that how you will and run with it. There's a lot of threads to pull on on that. I just wanted to explain that to people that there are certainly weird incentives when it comes like, imagine. Well, you're having. I was just going to say, you go first. Shit, (laughs) shit, shit. Imagine you're a regular citizen and you can't pay your fucking bills. And imagine in the year 2020, 2021. Your government told you, you have to shut down your business. And they said, you still have to pay for the police. And then the police show up and they go, listen, I'm not even supposed to work today, right? I'm getting paid almost double. I'm getting like 60, 70 bucks an hour just to be here. They're like, I'm going to wait and hand your call off to someone else. Cause I'm just, I'm just trying to soak up some free money today. Imagine that. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, I'm, you know, that's why there's a uh, large majority of America right now that's pissed off at cops. Not that specific reason. There's multiple other reasons, but like that's a pretty good one. (laughs) That's a pretty fucking good one. And I don't, I don't really have a, an answer to this one or really a fully formed opinion. So maybe some debate on this, but you guys are familiar with police working overtime shifts for what they call like a detail or like an off duty job. Have you heard about that? So it's, you're not doing active. You're not, you're not, you're not on a schedule as a patrolman you're outside your normal hours and you're like standing at a movie theater, which I guess those are all gone. Now you're standing at like a sports stadium or something and you're getting paid a ton extra, but you're getting paid. A private company pays the department that pays you. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, it's almost, it's private. It's private with extra steps. It's like they're hiring a security. Yeah. They're hiring police security. Private policing, but at an extra expensive, exorbitant, somewhat free market rate. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. There's, I mean, uh, when we worked security (laughs) at the baseball games, uh, typo, that's what all those guys that were trying that remember the guys that literally entrapped the dude for like selling tickets. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. They were cops and they were extra detail and they literally entrapped a kid like, Hey, do you want these? Or they're like, we're trying to buy tickets. And he's like, Oh, I don't. He's like, I, I'm trying to buy tickets because that if they say they're trying to buy tickets and then get money, then uh, it's legal somehow. But they ended up getting this kid to say, I'm selling. All right, dude, I'm selling tickets kind of thing, like annoyed with the guys. And they just took him into the prison, the holding cell inside the baseball stadium. And we're like, that's that's entrapment, isn't it? Like, that's like they literally set that kid up. To like, I don't know. It was pretty fucked up, but they were extra detailed. They weren't actually like 
on duty cops. They were cops working a detail for the stadium that then called their police buddies when it happened to come and arrest the kid. Sounds like a fucking mob. Oh, I, I think by definition, it's exactly a mob. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, so if you, you want to hire extra protection for your event or for your business, whatever, obviously you don't just get it for free, right? But don't, don't we all, all have access to, we can all dial 911, right? So what's mm -hmm. the difference between paying extra money to have a cop work overtime at your facility or just calling 911 and going, hey, I'm worried something might happen. Can you have an officer swing by? Right. So there's, yeah, there's true. clearly there's different things going on. Uh, and if you hire regular private security, they can they can span anywhere on the spectrum from like from old retired alcoholic with a polyester shirt and a badge <laughs> with no gun. Or it could be all the way up to the level of like Blackwater, right? Wherever you want to spend your money on private security, you can get anything. What you can't get is someone with the power of the state to show up to your business and to bring the full weight of the state upon anybody at a moment's notice. So yeah, even if true. you have people that are better performers than cop, like your high-end executive um, protection people that wear three-piece suits and have rifles tucked under their vests, right? You could have that, but they still can't act like the state, right? They still can't make an arrest. They still really can't detain people. And they a lot can't of times you can't even pull your gun. They can't, they can't run an ID through the state systems. They can't do any of that. So... Wow. Then that bears a question. Why do we have this problem? Why do we have people that can perform better than police that are willing to perform better th than the police and we're willing to pay them better than the police? But if they act like the police, the police will murder them. <laughs> Sounds like a great system. I don't see any flaw with that. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, we worked uh, an executive um, protection. What was it called? I think it was called executive protection solutions. And, you know, we, had we could carry um we carried our pistols with us but the boss's total whole thing was everything you defer to a law enforcement we're basically our guns are for show um i'd rather you not have them loaded but you can load them and just don't pull it out and if you pull it out they better have a gun and have already shot somebody and it's like all right then what's the point of having this fucking gun yeah <laughs> which would be great if that was what the police did right yeah right <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't know. yeah, he specifically told us that uh, you can't use your gun unless your life is in danger. And I was like, okay. <laughs> now, here's he something a, a lot of people. I mean, a gun, a phone, or, or was it a gun? I don't know. I actually, I really enjoyed doing this part of the job when I was a cop, which was we had a, a file system, which I didn't know about. Like, it took me several months to figure out that we had this thing, but uh, we had it. It was a file system where in my cruiser, I can pull up a file that said, these are all the addresses, the residential addresses that are requesting an extra police presence at their house because of any number of reasons, right? So you call, you dial the non-emergency number. You say, hey, I'd like an extra patrol to swing by my house. And they go, okay. And they log it. And at least at the agency I worked for, there was no requirement to ever check on any of those addresses. You just, Seems like if you, ch if you choose to, you can, right? That's it. Yeah. And I kind of understand, really? like, I kind of understand the whole, you can't go everywhere. Like I get that right. argument. Yeah. I get that argument. But at the same time, the taxpayers that are trying to use you for what you're used for aren't getting even a look, basically. Because how many how many other people on on in your team do you know of that actually paid attention to that file? That was really rare. And, yeah. and again, I didn't know about it for several months. And when I found right. out about it, I was, they didn't tell you. <laughs> right. 
And I thought at the time I worked for a pretty good agency as far as expecting the government to be tyrannical goes. I, I actually was very happy with the way my agency operated. Uh, and again, I'll give, I've said it before on your show. I'm pretty sure we were told do not go after drug runners. Cause as soon as you arrest one, they'll replace them. And I said, and while you're doing that, people that are actually having their, their property and their lives victimized, you're not able to come help them. So they said, stay clear, you know, try not to do too much shit. That's, uh, you know, self-initiated unless it's for a reason, you know, unless there's some harm that's going to happen. And they meant it. They didn't just say it. They actually meant it, which was great. So I like that. And they said, don't pull cars over unless there's an imminent threat to someone's life. They said, don't fucking write tickets just to write tickets. Don't do it. Which I loved. That was cool. That is awesome. Um, but no, no one, no one went into that file. Very few people did. And I thought, this is pretty cool. This, this is why, this is exactly why I'm here. People have called us for help. And so I would go, I would check the house. I'd go into the system. I click a button. It's actually a lot of work to do. So I show up, I call it on dispatch. I go, put me on a directed patrol at this address. They go copy. I go into the system again, even though it's already on the radio and recorded. I go to the file. I type in my password. I click a button. I click the time. I click what I saw. I walk around the house. I get back in my cruiser. I clear the call. I put it in my stat book. I go to a different program. I write that statistic down at the end of two weeks, I take all my numbers. I have to add them up together because even though they're in the computer, I guess they don't know how to work a fucking calculator for a program program on the website. Dude, it's surprising that all that's these, not a thing. I add all these tally marks together. And at the end of every two weeks or whatever, I take those tally marks. I put them in a spreadsheet and I mail them to my supervisor. So now the incentive is I'm doing the right fucking thing. And I'm actually helping people that called us for fucking help. And it's a lot of fucking extra work for me. Even though it's yeah. mostly digital on my computer, it's still extra work. Whereas if I never do that, guess how many tally marks I got to add up? At least in Zero. that column. Zero. Zero. So there's some incentives going on with that too. And I, I like that. I really like that part of it. But now and here's the question. Some, that's like the negative incentive, right? Like that's like the same the thing. Negative, like there's, yeah. there's a lot of you to negative do the right incentives. Thing. Yeah. Uh, so, that, so let's roll it back one. What's the difference between the city or let's, let's do this. Who's more important? The citizen that has a very serious violent crime issue that they're recommending extra patrols for outside their house or the movie theater that has no expectation of violence, but they're going to pay money to take officers Well, they're working overtime, but they're going to pay extra money to have officers stand in front of the movie theater. Right. So yeah. as, a, as an agency, you're paying officers to come in after hours to go stand somewhere else for some money, but you're not paying officers extra money after hours to go check on your actual residential homeowners within your jurisdiction. Yeah. That are asking for it. They're and they're, they're begging for it. They've taken the effort to put in a special request with you and you've told them, yeah, maybe. Oh my so God. So police certainly are not unbiased in their policing. They are actively sending out officers to places that are, you know, basically fucking bribery money. Right. Yeah, that is. I mean, if you're going to pay them at a higher price for the same job, but without the badge, I guess, because a lot of them, they're not, but they still have the same powers because it doesn't matter. Like, well, that's yeah, and they're in, they're in uniform and they have their squad. Yeah, they cars. usually are in uniform. And a lot of times the policy will be the details where they'll say, our officers on your detail are not to take enforcement action if they can pass it off to a street patrol unit. So they are there as a deterrence. They're not there to do active badge police work. They're there to deter things. And if they have to, like if, they, if you make an arrest on an overtime detail, um, at least at my agency, you had to leave the detail on, you know, digitally, you had to sign out of the detail 
sign in as an overtime patrol unit, <laughs> make the arrest, come off the street, either get someone to take your arrestee so you can go back to the detail or you had to have someone else fill in your detail. So all these weird things happen with the budgeting, which, you know, thank God for government. Otherwise, how would we have a cop do cop work when he's doing cop work? What's up, everyone? I'd like to tell you guys about a book called Narco Lepsy. It's the second novel by C.W. Booth Weich. It's a coming of age story about a group of asinine teenage orphans who have been fucked over by the state one too many times. When the main character, known by most as Narco, because she has narcolepsy, finds out that a former foster sister may be in trouble, she recruits a team of foul-mouthed malcontents to take on the system and rescue a little girl. Shenanigans, hijinks, and fuckery ensue. It's available on Amazon, on Kindle, and in paperback, but don't forget to add the vertical bar between Narco and Lepsy because the author was stupid and thought it would it looked cool, but makes it really hard to find on Amazon now if you don't spell it correctly. Alternatively, you can just search the author's name, C.W. Booth White, or there's a link in his Twitter profile, at Ovaltine Jenks. So head on over there, download the book, buy the book, uh, show some support to a fellow anarchist, and yeah, with that, let's get back to the show. Right, and even the people that want to do their jobs, it, it literally is the negative incentive to not do your job. And right. uh, But that's the other time that you see at those, those details. A lot of times you see a lot more de-escalation techniques. <laughs> they don't want yeah. to do all that work. I wanted to do a whole episode on that, but people say cops aren't good at de-escalating. That's, that's not true at all. They're fucking awesome at de-escalating. When they're, they're trying to get really, off. <laughs> but they're also really good at escalating. So they're good at both is the problem. That's the more accurate and truthful way to say that statement. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. I always heard that as a complaint from police is like, they don't want to do the paperwork for something. And uh, I honestly, like when they said that after being in the military, I was like, I fucking believe them. Like, I believe yeah. <laughs> they like, you don't want to do that shit. Like, I mean, I've only, you know, I had a grandfather that was a cop and then like my only exposure to police is like Hollywood fucking movies, but they would like, you know, they'd be like the super cool cops that save the day. But then they'd be like, at the end of it, they're sitting in the office writing a report for like eight hours about whatever bullshit they had to do. And honestly, like, after being in the military, I was like, I, I believe that actually happens. I believe there's like a lot of reporting. You have to do a lot of bunch of extra paperwork afterwards that most of it's probably nonsense. And some of it's actually rele relevant. Uh, and I, like, that's something that, like, yeah, I don't think cops want to want to uh, have a little, you know, dispute or reaction or action with someone. Cause they're like, I don't want to fucking fill out shit. And nowadays they don't want to be on national television. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the best way to put it. The negative incentive is important and they are good at de-escalating, especially when it's on their time. I think that's a pretty big thing. Uh, this, a lot of people don't know this either, but it, in the defense of people that are in law enforcement, a lot of times when mm -hmm. they're sitting under that shady tree and you haven't seen them move for an hour or two, um, a lot of times they're they're writing two or three hours worth of paperwork for something they did that took 15 minutes in real life. Yeah. So sometimes they, they have to. They, and here's the other side. Would you rather them be locked up in a little office writing that report? Would you rather them be out there responding to people that need help? Right. And of yeah. course, I'm, I'm anti-government policing at all. But if we have them, if they are the only ones in town that are allowed to be an armed response to help people, then maybe they should be out there doing yeah. that, not doing other stuff. Anyways, uh, uh, let's switch gears here. Do a segment on. So this is pretty unique. 
I haven't seen, even when I was active in law enforcement, I didn't see a lot of people talking about this. Um, and this came from, I was a student in a breaching class. So we did like the breaching shotgun and kicking doors and using the rat- battering rams. It was a private company that, that certified government people yeah. to do a government I, job. I think we've talked about that a few times where weird. <laughs> yeah. You do. So, you, you said that a few times where like almost all of your trainings were with private companies, even while you were in the military. And that's kind of how it was for me too. In the military, a lot of my trainings were from private companies that certified government officials because the government didn't have the certification to certify it. So I'm there, I'm at training and I hear one of the other cops from some other jurisdiction. He goes, yeah, I was thinking about putting together a breaching class for patrol officers, like specifically for patrol. And he said something like yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Patrol is kind of the redheaded stepchild of every agency. And at the time I was a patrol officer and I thought, holy shit, he's right. And I did this quick, you know, the, oh God, what's her name? The, the uh, lady with all the numbers yeah, and shit. Yeah, the numbers. <laughs> the I'm numbers like, uh, meme. Uh, uh. <laughs> like, oh, fuck. Everything so, adds yeah. up. So patrol is both, at the same time, they're both the most important and the least important unit within almost every police agency. So here's some things to think about. When you're a citizen and you call 911 and you expect someone to come rushing to your aid, you're getting often two separate groups of people that are in the same patrol unit. You get people that are brand fucking new that have almost no life experience other than college, which great, well-rounded, right? And you get people that are in, well, you get three groups, people that are in more, more than three groups, but three main groups, people that are incapable of being on a special unit for one reason or another, or they're just lazy and they never get out of patrol. Or you get people that were in special units and they literally get told, you're being punished because you did something wrong. Go back to patrol. Yep. Of all those three people, is that the type of people? Like, let's roll, roll the dice. You get either one or two or three. Which one of those yeah. do you want responding to you when you need active, serious, complex, emergency security help? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Those are the people I, you want. I feel like you have to choose yeah. three just because they were good <laughs> enough to be special units, but they're assholes enough that they got yeah, kicked they, out of it. They might be a little upset they're doing patrol and might bring it out on you one day <laughs> yeah and then you have the college kid and we all know how like 18 year olds react under pressure so they need well, safe here's, spaces here's now. a question for you pat would you rather have an ex-military or i guess a veteran like a mili- ex-military cop or a college graduate cop uh well it's kind of it's kind of a cheap answer but I don't think it fucking makes a difference. Yeah. Oh, okay. think about all the all the people you know in the military that were fucking useless, and then became. And cops. Think about <laughs> right, and then became cops. Um, yeah, True. I think there's a there. I think there's a full spectrum of human emotion within the military and within law enforcement and even within college. Right, there's kids that are old souls that read a lot and that are you know calm. Sure, you get all sorts of shit. I think honest. I mean, if I play your game, I'd probably. I'd probably pick the military guy just because slightly more life experience, but yeah, maybe he handed out basketballs in the military for four years. Was your, was your time in the military, like the atmosphere, was it very similar or almost the same or different? And when you were a cop, wildly different, Really? I, I, okay. I did not, I did not enjoy the camaraderie, so to speak, or the environment of being a cop. 
it was really, really not enjoyable at all. And there's, there's a number of reasons. And I might be the cause for some of that. I was older than most of the guys on my unit, um, in the patrol unit. Um, and I'd done a bunch of cool guy shit, so I didn't really have much to prove. Um, so I was kind of a lot more calm and laid back. And a lot of them were not, they weren't bad yeah. people at all. They were just like, Oh yeah, song. I got this, I got this big arrest. And the guy had like two grams of Coke on him. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you're like, good. I've, I've destroyed boats that were worth more than that in Coke. So, yeah, it, I was at a different point in my life too. And I was yeah. an anarchist before I took the oath to be a police officer. So really? I had spent, yeah, I had, I'd done roughly seven or eight, something like that years of uh, active military and coast guard work. And then I left and then I did three years of about three years of police work. And then I got recalled again to the reserves to go deploy. So I kind of was all mixed up in there, but I'd been there and done that. And halfway through my first active duty career, and I was already on the road to voluntarism, like well down that road. <laughs> so when I became a cop, I was like, I'm doing it like I'm the like this train has left the station mentally, but I've always wanted to do it. So I'm going to do it and I'm going to try my best, but I'm going to be on the lookout for that bad fucking government. And I saw government but I didn't see like tyranny, so to speak. I didn't see yeah. active people yeah. that were like, fuck the blacks, fuck the Jews, fuck the poor people. We're going to kill them. Like, I, didn't, I didn't see that shit. Yeah. I yeah. didn't see cops bribing people for sex. I didn't see cops taking payoffs. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's like, it's, it's, it's ran by like uh, incentives for money and like uh, surrounded by stupidity is what I, I felt like with, at least for the military. Just bureaucracy, man. It's just, it's, yeah. it's the DMV in charge of your security. That's what yeah. exactly what yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's still one of the best things Jared has ever had. I swear to God. Uh, so I'll get back on track a little bit. So, so you have these types of people that are in patrol, right? Cops that are punished cops that are new or cops that really don't have any other skill set. There's the, there's the gym every once in a while. And I know one personally that has spent about 15 years in patrol and is really fucking good at it. And he cares about the community and he likes to deescalate. And he talks to people like they're humans, like they're out there, but yeah, they, they are, are not they are in, out there and they're not in group one or group two or group three. They're like the exception to that rule. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not. And again, that's not to say that everyone that wears a badge is fucking evil. That's to say you are a product of that bureaucracy and that attracts a certain thing and it incentivizes a, a certain thing. So. Uh, that's most of that for that segment. Uh, what else do I got? <laughs> So there's my sales pitch that like uh, that Carr was talking about on, on Timeline Earth or Fadcast, which was if you can say, keep spending your government, your tax money to pay for your local policing, or if you said, you really don't know anything about this new company, but their marketing's pretty good, uh, let's pay this private company and we won't get any police in our neighborhood ever. But the private company can do all the things that the government can do. Like they're allowed to do stop, detain, arrest, all that things, because we're humans, right? We all have human rights. And if you violate my human rights, I can take action against you. So the sales pitch would be knowing almost nothing about my company and having no experience with my company. Would you prefer to pay for the same government policing or would you prefer to pay for, you know, Pat's community patrol? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously we would pick Pat's community control. Uh, yeah, it's like why a lot of people, well, like gated communities, you'll see actual like neighborhood watch, like people, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's like those people have more an incentive to protect that community because they, well, one, most of them probably actually live there. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like, 
uh they like there's it's it's like they like the government like stretches out as far as they can go well they'll take like a limited amount of people because that's all they can really afford or the budget they'll get and they'll stretch those people as far out but they won't do it effectively they're stretching them out to all these different things but they're not effective at it but with a small small group in a smaller area that are mostly probably volunteering because they actually care or are are getting paid you know small um those people have way more of an incentive because like, you know, those people, you know, those people in your community. And like, if I'm hiring Pat, you know, I I've talked to you and we have a lot of similar values. I know you're uh, informed and know what you're doing, but you know, I, I know that like, I'd rather have, like, I would rather hire a libertarian as my protector because they see protecting as the same thing and then you would expect like communists to want to hire someone that's like a communist because it's the same incentives like you, you value different things and when the government provides is someone that has no value maybe possibly no know. values to share yeah. and one yeah. it doesn't matter because they all get instructed the same way and to patrol and act in the same way in different different parts of our cities and all over our land it's just like I don't know. I go on a little bit of a I rant think, there, but I think that part was important. The, the, uh, the part where you're saying they have a, like, if I'm hiring, if I decide to hire a company to protect my house or my neighborhood and I, we decide to hire somebody to protect our neighborhood, we have an incentive to go and find somebody that will protect it the way that we want to, which usually correlates within your values. Like that's, that's generally seems to be true. Um, for the most part and so if you do that whether you're a communist like if we're in an anarchist society you wouldn't see a whole bunch of uh and comms hiring and capitalists to protect it well actually that could happen because the and capitalists would be like yeah we'll enforce your rules because we're trying to run a good business <laughs> but yeah. you wouldn't see you wouldn't see a long a lot of and they want to make money bitch yeah <laughs> you wouldn't see a lot of anarcho-capitalists hiring anarcho-communists to enforce their what they think is um you know what the rule of law should be because then they would just be taking people's property and you know doing all this other shit. but you you have an incentive yourself to hire the company that best fits within your values and that's with any company whether it's you know uh, do they do testing on animals or do they do testing on humans or it, whatever it is? So the same thing, same thing would go in any kind of security force. And that's why in my, in that example, I would definitely pick, you know, Pat's neighborhood patrol because I like that a lot better. And I feel like I can hold somebody accountable if they don't do it correctly um, more so than I can with the United States government or the state police force or the city patrol fucking center. You know, like there's not a lot of accountability you can put in a like, even if I like that guy does something wrong and I say he does something wrong and I like bring it up to or I file a complaint or whatever. And it's proven that he does something wrong. That doesn't mean he's off the force. That doesn't mean he's, you know, uh, you know, uh, goes on without pay. That doesn't mean any of that, that that'll happen. It, it'll be like, well, he interpreted the raw the law incorrectly. And he's still on the force and here's your settlement money. You know, that doesn't fix the problem that I wanted. Ty goes to the government. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, if there's any normies listening still at this point, um, uh, let me give you the crux of the argument. And I, I think I'm scheduled with uh, Matt from status quo to do a, a whole probably fucking three hours on just this topic. But the crux is why don't we have this? 
why don't we have this privatized policing? Not private security, but privatized policing, right? And I think the biggest hurdle that if I can do a public service announcement to the public to explain to them would be the topic of probably the show I'm doing with Matt, which would be what makes a cop a cop. And I, I mean, TLDR version too long. Didn't read nothing. Almost nothing. I just, makes a oh, cop hold a on. Cop. I just wanted to say, I have seen TLDR so many times and I never knew what it meant and never looked it up. So now you, Hey. Taught me something new. <laughs> Even though you've taught me many new things this entire show, that's something I definitely remember. <laughs> so of everything I've said, thanks. That's the one that sticks. Cool. I love it. <laughs> so the TLDR, <laughs> it's I we're probably I'm gonna go way in depth and say what what actually happens to take regular Joe citizen to get hired at a police department to have quote unquote the powers of the state, all right, or the authority to arrest or whatever you want to call it, which is you put in an application packet. A bunch of mortal humans look at it and go, well, it's not too bad. We'll take them. And then you go through the police academy and you don't even, it's not like, it's not like you're going to high tech college doctor or surgeon school. It's not like your class ranking has anything to fucking do with it. You just pass and you have to attend, I don't know, a couple months worth of lectures. Right. So can a normal human do that? Yep. Then you do a couple drills where you have to, where the instructor has a highly subjective view on, did you pass or not? Right. So you stand in front of the classroom and you go, I am, I'm officer. So-and-so pretending to be an officer. And I think you stole something. I'm going to write you a ticket. Hooray. Class cheers. You go wild. And then you go to your agency and you swear in, right. And that's something that you say, not something you have to believe in. So you swear an oath to the constitution, even if you never read it. And then you're a police officer. What in there was the fucking magic, right? Where did you get more human rights than anyone else in your neighborhood? I didn't, I yeah. missed that part of the brief. Dude, dude, it's the same Where? thing with like the military, man. Like, like, uh, I, I, I've never watched like a group of people that I was like, oh, half this room's going to fail because it's, it's all propaganda. They just put on this face that like, oh, we're the best fighting force. or so we're like, we're these upstanding police and we, we, we only hire the best. And they're, you know, the, all the posters and pictures, they all look great and Fuck real nice that. little fucking uniforms <laughs> and they're pressed. And it's like, that's why I think the goddamn government focuses on goddamn uniform Whoops. appearance so god much because that's all they have. They have to, they have to present itself as something higher and yeah. better than than the normal people in society but like as you go through boot camp in the military you realize everyone pretty much makes it besides the guy that's just like i don't want to do this anymore and then or you envy that guy like, yeah or threatens to kill himself you envy that guy and, like a year later <laughs> and the people that don't want to do it anymore your drill instructors convince them to stay yes yes they, that's they, the type they, of people i want protecting me the ones yeah. who don't want to be there <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I don't yeah. know the whole, but that's like the whole thing. It's like, how did they, how did they all of a sudden have these rights where if they interpreted the raw long, the fuck, I keep fucking that up. If they interpreted the law wrong, um, that they can still get away with it because it's not their job to interpret the law correctly. It's their job to enforce the law that they've interpreted it however they fucking want. And that's like an actual Supreme Court case. Like they, they are not there to interpret the law correctly. They are there to make decisions based off of how they've already interpreted the law and then if they do that and it is found incorrect then the person's charges will get let go but nothing happens negatively to that you're not made that officer 
yeah. none of that has anything to do with making the the person whole yeah exactly which if at that point in time a injustice has happened and mm -hmm. justice hasn't so happened system, to complete it you have a system that will guarantee that injustice happens yeah correct whereas yeah. if we get and that's that's where the police crowd gets upset defund police doesn't mean i want you to get paid less yeah it doesn't mean i want you to get killed or hurt defund the police for me because different meanings for different people it means zero government policing get the fuck out zero government would be great so and here's yeah. my and I, I try to do this on every show where i talk about this which is like a plea to if i'd be shocked if there's actual officers with badges listening right now but oh maybe there are there should be a few because of the thing right there might be there might so, be here's my plea to you if we get rid of government policing would you as a government police officer rather continue working for that same government or if if the market was truly open and free would you rather work for me even though you know almost nothing about me and here's my yeah. marketing pitch i'll pay you more i'll equip you better i'll give you more time off i'll i'll know your first and last name because a lot of management and government doesn't know the people that work yeah. for them let's just start with that how about just that yeah just those but doesn't that sound already better? A I'll thousand times better. better i'll give you more time i'll give you better training I'll speak to you like a human and you can come work for me for more money, or you can just stay with the government police force you're with. Which one would you choose? Yeah, exactly. So the option, it's a false option that people are presented through the media. Thanks media, which is if we defund the police, then, oh no, all these police will be sleeping in the gutters and homeless. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's like, you don't think these, well, and that's the other thing. I mean, it's like the, I, it's the same argument with, you know, um, we got to get rid of voter laws or voter ID laws, which whatever, you know, you have that, I think the uh, the argument that I'm trying to make is not that there should or shouldn't be voter laws, but it's like they're like, well, um, you know, a lot of of the African-American or black population can't go, don't know how to register to vote. And it's like, do you think these people are stupid? Like they don't know how to like go out and get a driver's license or in this scenario, it's like you don't think these cops can find another job like a, or especially yeah, if there's, about that. there's but there's no government, there's no government, there are at least no government policing anymore. We'll say that. And you don't think that there's not going to be like a large cry for some type of security force that is privatized so that people feel safe on the streets or in their homes or anything else. Like we already have security. We have, if government policing worked, we wouldn't have security cameras on private residences. You know, like if, if, if state police and, you know, local law enforcement worked, there would be no need for that, but it doesn't work because they are there to investigate situations after the fact and then try to draw conclusions and put out bolos to find people at certain points in time if they think they know exactly who they got, which isn't always correct. So it's like, it's not like these cops are just going to be upended. They might have to look for a fucking job, but a large market just opened up a large market and Huge that doesn't even mean you yeah market. and that doesn't even mean you have to go work for somebody you can just do it yourself well a lot of people don't like the weight of that either yeah i talk to people true. all the time I, I about being self-employed and they're like oh so much work i just show up yeah. okay great yeah keep doing that yeah. hey and, I, and that's fine you that. need you need those people you need those people that it's like whatever i would rather a society that works for themselves for the most part but I completely understand if you there's always going to be a need for people that just like, hey, I just show up, man. I just show up and do my job and I get home. But they're not the type of people that I try to surround myself at all times. 
Uh, I just have one more thread to pull on there that you brought up, uh, Luke, which was uh, we only hire the best, right? So talking about recruiting and things like that. So this is another PSA for the public that a lot of them are not aware about, aware of. And this is somewhat incentives, um, a little bit about economics. So we talked about the economics of time being a big deal. This one's both. This one's money and time. So you are, let's say you're a hot shot and you're like, bro, I just got out of the military. I was in Iraq seven times. I'm like a super sniper and I did the CQC training and I like shot a bunch of people, but the right people. And, you know, I defended this little child and I fell on a grenade to protect my buddies, but it was a dud. I'm like, super cool, superhero dude. I'm the best, right? You're, you, you read your Bible every night. You like do your prayers. You're like, eat your Wheaties. You're, you're a good dude. And you're like, I'm going to be a cop. And the city that you grew up in is where you want to be a cop at. And they got a great agency. And you're like, you fill out your application and you get everything squared away and you mail it in. In the meantime, you got bills to pay. So this agency, this agency that says we care about the community, we hire, we really care about hiring good cops. Let's say you now have to wait nine, 10, 11 months to hear back through the hiring process. And they don't give a shit about your schedule. They're not like, Hey, what day works for you for an interview? They're like, here's your interview date. See you next month. After that, you'll wait a few months and then we'll do the next step. Where the fuck, if there are people out there that are hotshots and that want to work for your agency, and if you want to hire hotshots, where the fuck do you think they're going to go when they got bills to pay, but they're waiting nine or 10 or 11 months to get a paycheck from you? (laughs) Are you fucking high? What the fuck is wrong with people thinking that at any in any way, shape, or form, departments care about who they hire. They care. They do care about who they hire in two ways, at least two ways. Number one, they don't want a liability for the agency, right? So they don't want to hire someone that is knowingly a risk to the quote unquote integrity of the agency, right? So if we hire someone, we say he's got a bad background. That's going to look bad if anything comes up in the press. You don't hire that right. person. Number two, you don't want to spend money hiring someone if they're going to leave your agency or get fired, right? So there is a monetary incentive to hiring people, not good people, but people that fit number one and number two, number one, the public liability and number two, we're putting money into the hiring process. We don't want it to be a waste that he leaves our employment for any reason. They care about that. They do not care about recruiting people that are going to be good cops. They don't care about hiring people that are going to be a good cop. None of the hiring process is devoted to sitting down with someone and having a cup of coffee and going, what do you think law enforcement is like, just be straight with me. Why are you here? Why this agency and why a cop? Like, let's just talk. None of that happens anywhere. It's it, if it happens at all, it's with your sitting up straight with your hands clasped. And why did you choose this agency? And you have yeah. to answer, well, because, uh, but, uh, read the, the, uh, policy and uh, this is a good fit. No one fucking cares. No one cares at all. If you're going to yeah. be a good, cop or not they just don't want you to get fired and don't want you to, to embarrass the agency and even if you do that's fine they'll fire you anyways so yeah <laughs> fucking it's a hot joke yeah sorry and, i got excited about that <laughs> no i mean it's you're a, right it's just a huge facade it's just a huge facade and that's why that's why typo keeps drawing comparisons yeah can what the fuck that's why it keeps um putting those two together the military and the and cops i can't fucking talk they're to similar them. yeah really similar yeah uh, but yeah, they're similar in that, and it's exactly what you say. It's the bureau. Holy fucking shit! Bureaucracy. What are you drinking? That must be really good. It's a fucking Coors Light. 
um, of the, bu <laughs> of the bureaucracy, and that's what you keep referring to it as, um, that both of them are very similar in that fact, because they just don't, they're not meant to get the best and the brightest. That's not the point of them. They're, it's for lack of a better word, they're cannon fodder. They need people to put into the meat grinder. And the, the, to, every, you know, it's funny. Every, so if, if all agencies don't put active, effective measures into recruiting, then the only other option is that all agencies literally hire leftovers. Right. That's the only, and, that's, as far as I see, and maybe I'm wrong, I'm willing yeah. to be wrong. But if every agency doesn't do it, then that means that every agency can only hire leftovers or scraps. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's some of those people that will hold out for as long as possible that will there. It's like you said earlier, there is the exception that holds out and tries yeah. to. You there's know. really cool, super strong, smart dude that cares I mean, about the community that's parents or millionaires that he can wait. Yeah. Right. And I, I would say, I would say, but how that frequent you, does that happen? Yeah, exactly. But I would say, like, you were the exception. Like, you would have been the exception. There's not guys that were as qualified well, no, as I wasn't. you to go and actually, in about the... eight or nine ways, I was not the exception because okay, I got turned down about eight or nine times. So, the first place <laughs> that I did get hired, I had to get hired there. So, there were mm. other agencies that could have had someone that was, excuse me, not to suck my own dick, but I was pretty good at what I did and I cared a <laughs> lot about I what I did. Um, all those agencies went, nope, 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 nope. And someone got me. So obviously yeah, I was worthy at some level. Yeah. And and what I meant by that was you waited to get picked by somebody that would pick you instead of going private. So somebody got you while the other I ones didn't think, get you. Yeah. The so other all, ones didn't get so you. seven agencies didn't get me. Right. And some of them were time related. Some of them were disqualification related. But the ones that were time related certainly didn't get me. Because yeah. I had to go somewhere else. Yeah. And it, it, all, all I meant by that was like, there, there is the exception to that rule. Yeah, good people and, get hired. Sure. Yeah. Good people get hired. And I, one of the biggest things that I don't understand is that fucking wait time. The wait times are insane. And I don't know if that's because there's a shit ton of people going or is because people are fucking lazy at the office. I don't know which one it is. There, there's literally zero excuse. I've seen active law enforcement agencies that came into to my police academy to recruit. And they said, listen, we really need people. Here's what we're doing. We're going to interview you Monday. We're going to lie detector you Tuesday. We're going to give you a physical Wednesday. We're going to send you a hiring letter on Friday. They were like, we're ready. Yeah. If one agency can do that, there is no excuse why every single fucking other agency cannot do that. There's nothing. So there is nothing preventing a quick hiring yeah. other than people stepping on their own feet. Yeah. There's nothing preventing it. They just don't fucking care. Yeah. And, and some people might care, like, to be honest, there's probably someone sitting in a desk right now and they're like, I really want to hire good people. This fucking sucks. I really want to hire these good people. And they go, but we're not allowed to do this test until next month. And we're not allowed to do that test. And you can't change that. You can't yeah. sit at your fucking desk and go, I'm going to change the way my chief does business. You can't. By definition, you can't. Right. The chief could change it. And you can make all the emotional pleas to that chief to do change it. That doesn't mean shit. They'll just tell you to go fuck yourself. And uh, you don't get very far in government or in law enforcement by being the one question. to tell the truth and tell the bad yeah. news and to question yeah. the status quo. Status quo. Yeah. Status quo. Status quo. <laughs> the status quo. If you guys haven't checked out the status quo, uh, Matt Freeman. <laughs> I can't tell. I like that guy. <laughs> we like that guy a lot. Um, but yeah, no, I think I, I think that's uh, 
it, it, that's a very important distinction is like they're they step on their own toes and that doesn't mean the individuals themselves are stepping on their own toes and dragging their fucking knuckles um that means they're so it's so red taped like they're they just can't do anything the bureaucracy at work like they just you, you can say the organization that might fit might be easier for yeah. you <laughs> Fuck you. Fucking Marine. <laughs> Dude, I don't know what it is today. I think the 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 lagging at the beginning fucked me over and I was just like, oh shit, here we go. Um but yeah, I think the whole subject is very interesting. And I like that we have you and the last time we had Seaburn on when we talked about cops and uh, I think it's important for libertarians, especially the anarchist types, to realize that we really as much as we want to, uh, you know, demonize the police on all aspects, you can demonize the police as a whole, like the institution of what the police are, but we, we've really got to look at individuals as individuals. And that's super important to do. I think that's incredibly important to do or else you just make enemies for no fucking reason. Yeah, I think I don't, I don't know. Like it's, it's weird too, because like, uh, I come from a small town and, uh, most people like the cops. Like, uh, I mean, the cops do have done like things. I I say as a libertarian, I'd be like, Oh, it's fucked up. But like, for the most part, most people in the community, they, they like the cops. Like, you know, they are doing like meth drug bust and stuff, but most people in my community are like, that's a good thing. We want that. And everyone's pretty happy. And like, we went to high school together. Like I literally went to high school with like two or three cops in my hometown. Yeah. How and, many are in your town hometown? Like there's like 10 cops. Uh, I think there's only, yeah, like maybe 10. There's like eight and probably like seven or eight that are full time. And like two that are part time or whatever the deal is with them. Um, but yeah, most people in, enjoy the, like they, they're friends with them. They're part of the community. Like, and I, I think there's, that's a huge part of like, we don't have a problem with the cops in the small towns. Cause like they are part of the community as well. Like there's a incentive to, for them to be like, you know, not as violent so quickly because like you, they don't want to beat up the drunk in the town. Cause everyone knows the drunk in the town just doesn't mean because he's a drunk, you can beat him up. Like people care about that guy, even though like he might be the lower status person in the town. And uh, so it's really sometimes like, it's weird that like on a personal level, I actually kind of like cops because all the cops that I've really met and have a personal relationship with have been good people to me and seem, seem like they're doing, you know, a good cop job. I don't know. But then like a macroeconomics level, like they're terrible. And it's really hard to like coincide those things a lot. Like I've had maybe some bad experiences with cops, but overall, like <laughs> my experience with cops have been pretty good, at least most of my life. Feel like that's yeah. going to change this year. It's it's unique. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's tough. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I just grew up in a small town, so like that's why I think I'm well, partially the exception. Once I came here, my interactions in the city with cops have been a lot more negative. Not as yeah. friendly, not as fun, and they're not not very kind. <laughs> like my friendly neighborhood high school buddy was like, oh yeah, we played football together. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm arresting your ass for yeah, drinking yeah, and driving. I mean, seriously, because I mean, it, like I'm not like if you got pulled over my town for like speeding, like it's a common thing because like there's parts of town you think you can get away with, and they'll pull you over, and like most of the time they don't give you a ticket, but they pull you over. And you're like, oh hey, what's up, John? Like hey, my name. They start talking about the game or something. I'm like yeah, you can't be speeding through here, and you're like, all right. Sorry yeah. about that. I'll, and it's, I'll go it's on my crazy. Way. 
it's crazy as as smaller as communities get the easier it is for things like you know government tyranny when it actually affects the people that you interact with on a daily day basis it's a lot harder to be a tyrant yeah it's a lot harder to be a tyrant yeah. when you are face to face with the people that you are tyrannizing like you can it's it's a lot harder to do not saying that you can't do it there's plenty of those stories where you know the small town cop has all the power and blah yeah. blah, blah 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 there's plenty of those stories and those do happen but yeah, it's a lot sure harder to happen yeah i'm sure there's small communities out there where it's not the case where the cops are douchebags and they they run the city or at least act like they do when they're in, in public and stuff and I'm, I'm sure those cases happen i just happen to be in an area where like you know, cops aren't that bad. Like, <laughs> uh, um, well, well, for you, Pat, when you were a cop, was it like a bigger city, a you know, smaller city, or a small town? Like, what what kind of like area did you were you part of a agency with? Uh, my agency had about uh, five hundred deputies, but we were a county agency, and in the oh, city, okay. we we also co patrolled the city, um, which had about two hundred or three hundred officers for just the city. And that's not all at one time on the street. That's like. They have like they have 10 totally. on a shift and we have about in our zone we had about 10 in the zone we had a couple different districts within the county but so in the actual regular size city that had you know a couple a couple 20-story buildings in it um we had some beachfront property we had some mansions we had some downtown um your your semi-urban and suburb i guess suburban right <laughs> suburban yeah. uh you know, <laughs> roads i'm rubbing off on you we had a couple state local parks we uh we were definitely well within the medium sized agency definition. We weren't, you know, NYPD where there was 60,000 of us, but we also yeah. weren't, you know, 10 of us where everyone knew everyone's name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah that, just, that, that, that was one thing that was like kind of a shock to me. Cause like, you know, I've always heard cops in cities were bad. And, uh, I mean, I think I've only dealt with the cops here a couple times, but, uh, yeah, they're not nice. They're well, not I can, nice. I can tell you this much. I can I can tell you that they cert there certainly is no illusion that they think that they are part of the community. Uh, it it is really 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 clear at least when you're on their side of the badge that we are different from them. Awesome really civilians. Clear. We're different. It's like the military. Really really clear. Civilians. Um, that word civilian. I hate it. I, I hate it. Now. I, I wish there were another word for that. Fuck. Yeah. We should make up one. Yeah. We should hit Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Ask for uh, input. I hate Twitter, so you guys can do it. <laughs> um, uh, and to be honest, since we're talking about different classes of people, I I didn't see, God, I can't remember any fucking racism at my agency, at least not that I saw with my own eyes. I never saw someone go, some even overtly or covertly say, well, oh, fuck these people because they're whatever color, right? Never saw that. What I did see all the time, including what I've done myself, was treating people wildly different based on their income levels. Yep. Real. I think that's say. fucking way worse. Yeah. And I think, dude, I think maybe just as bad, but it also sucked real bad. Yeah. What I was going to say is like, I, I've been trying to make the argument and I just don't look at statistics and things that closely or try to look into the research of it. But I said, my hypothesis of this is that it's what we have in America right now with cops and um, civilians is, isn't a, uh, a racist problem it's a classist problem like 100%. they think it's absolutely a classist problem and it's 
they treat lower income people differently than they treat middle income. Mm-hmm. Well, they treat, I think they treat middle income and lower income people a lot differently than they treat high class people, you know, uh, upper, 100%. upper middle class, upper, upper, income people, yeah. upper income people in general, like lower middle class to lower class. It's like, they just get fucked and they don't care that they're fucking you because usually the, a lot of the cops are probably, and what's, what's the incentives. If you're a cop, and you're about to ruin someone's day that's a billionaire or you're a cop and you're about to ruin someone's day who can't afford a fucking cheeseburger yeah which one are you more more careful about yeah the one that can yeah. fucking take your ass to court 100 yeah. percent, and cost the city money which the, and you know that's one thing that those settlements do is the city ends up paying it out which is a whole problem in itself uh the city ends up paying it out and then there's eyes on you as an officer from the city, but not from the civilians. I mean, shit, it's hard to find uh, what uh, the two cops and their names, like it was hard as shit to find the ones that um, murdered uh, Ryan Whitaker down here in Ahwatukee, fucking Arizona. Like it was hard as shit to find their names. And it's still like they're back on duty, but you don't know what part of the state they're in, what part of the city they're in. You can't, you can't see it, but there's eyes on them now because they had to pay a big ass settlement, but it's not from the civilians. It's from the state. And then again, you can't have both. You can either have, we are part of this community or we hide our names and our identities and our addresses and our driver's licenses and our records and our files from the community because we're different from the community. You can't have both. You either are of the community or you're not. Yep. I think we know the answer. You're not. Yeah, (laughs) they are. (laughs) They aren't. That's exactly it. I don't know. Um, You got any more bullet points on there, Pat? No, I'm all spent, fellas. Okay. (laughs) Well, I think that's a, I think that's kind of a big thing too, is like the, the police kind of create this atmosphere of like their own class itself. Mm -hmm. And uh, they almost like, it almost puts them like almost in basically higher class. I mean, maybe it's not from wealth, but like just from status. Yeah. Yeah. Power. You, you move up and, you know, people, yeah. You know, there is rich people that get, you know, they'll treat cops like shit and get away with it. And like, I mean, it happens probably more often or I don't know, it probably happens more often than a lower income person if they try talking shit to a police officer. Um, but like cops tend to have at least some respect from the upper class. I mean, they're the, in their eyes, they are their, their protectors. And uh, it's like, it's like kind of how, like, it's weird how the government somehow created a way where like the, their employees automatically move them up in status. I mean, yeah. it's the same way with teachers, like teachers somehow are, they don't get paid that much, but they're doing the work of like, for, they're, they're teaching the children, Thanks. you know, cop, the cops are putting their lives on the line for our society and they automatically move them up in status. And, and I think that's like, I, I don't know. I always find that interesting where it's like, they can take a, probably a lower status person and instantly move them up into higher class. And like, that's something you don't want to give up. I mean, human beings care a lot about their class and you don't want to give that status up because that's something you can hold over other people or it puts you in, in it, it builds connections for yourself and puts you in positions that you would not have otherwise, because without the government, you might not be able to achieve that status. Yeah, I'd agree. I don't that. disagree. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're both like, yep, Jinx. yep, uh huh, uh huh, yep. <laughs> at least we're at the same time timing now. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I think that was a, a that was awesome. Thank you for coming on and doing that, Pat. 
I love this stuff. That's what my next book is on. So this is scratching my itch. Thank you so much. Yeah. We'll have to, when your next book comes out, we'll have to have you on so you can talk about it as a whole and we can promote it because uh, we didn't get to do that with your lock picking book. And oh, shit. I wish we All did. Right. So you promoted it a little bit, but yeah, talked about but it was still, it was still a little bit out too. It was still a bit no a little ways out before you got it, but I'm glad you're fucking throwing out these books left and right. You got shit to read. Man, it's something I, I love. I, man, I could, I, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, promote my book to who? Are you fuckers? You think you can read? I used a couple <laughs> big words in there. Is there? <laughs> I tried. It better have like color, dude, or I'm losing my mind. <laughs> Honestly, the next book, blue. Is, next book's probably going to be no photos, guys. I'm bad yeah, news. Okay. As long as you it's should, bigger letters. Okay. You can do the big, audio version on our podcast. Font. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shit. Uh, all right man well uh thank you again for coming on and uh teaching us um what tldr means uh, yeah. <laughs> um i appreciate it and we always love having you we'll have to do it again soon absolutely i missed you guys yeah i missed you too buddy typo you got anything that always good to have you on dude i fucking uh love you you have the, i honestly i'm being serious you should get an audio version of your book because your voice man it's like you uh, and Matt have a very about it. nice voice for this. Like it's yeah, you guys should just start reading. Voice. You guys should start reading um, like Liberty books and start your own little, you know, audi- audible like book section. I what's thought you were the- gonna say we should start reading smut books. <laughs> what's <laughs> well, the that works your, too. What's the name of your book again? My current one that's out is called Tactical Lockpicking. It's by. Oh, wow. um, by and then me. your new one. New one is going to be called the working title right now is accepting bureaucracy. Accepting bureaucracy. You should open yeah. up the audio version with obviously you and Matt being the narrator. And it'd be like, I'm Pat and this is Matt. And this is. <laughs> <laughs> you do it. I'd, I'll cut him a check. We'll do it. <laughs> and then you read it chapter by chapter, just back and forth between you and Matt. That would be awesome. I'd love it. You know what's funny is I, I think you're saying that jokingly, but 100% we're going to do that. You can put that on do down on your uh, Dude, to-do I'm list. Telling you. It's gonna yeah. happen. Do it. Yeah. Do it. I'm Dude, I'm telling it. you, you guys have the voice for it. Like, I don't I don't know if my voice is good for this, but I've never heard anyone <laughs> say I have the voice for it. So probably you know, not. <laughs> it's not just your voice. It's your laugh it's that I love. Laugh. It's the yeah, laugh. I love it. Yeah. It's, everyone says that it's contagious. I don't know why. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, thanks again for coming on. And I hope you all, the listeners, enjoyed that episode. Um, Yeah, that's it. That's the fucking shit show. We out.